0: This is Saster's Founder's Favorite series, where you can hear some of the best of the best from Saster speakers. This is where the cloud meets. The future of work is here. And OWL Labs has the advanced tech you need to empower remote and hybrid teams. Their award-winning 360-degree smart conferencing camera, the Meeting OWL Pro, boasts 1080p resolution and a crystal clear tri-speaker system to ensure that everyone is seen and heard. Read more on OWL Labs and the work from anywhere movement at owllabs.com. We're already counting down to Saster Annual 2020. For our loyal podcast listeners, we want to give you $100 off towards your ticket. Just buy your ticket using code FAVE100. Up today, Revenue Cat CEO, Jacob Eiding.
1: All right, let's go. This is Jason Lemkin and I am super excited today to have Jacob Eiting from RevenueCat, and we're going to talk about a general topic Mobile subscriptions that we've all been waiting like twenty years in SaaS and cloud for uh, we've been talking about when will mobile come when we we all thought around like two thousand and eight that like mobile would destroy like Salesforce and all these other apps It hasn't happened has it
2: No, it might never come like you thought it meant.
1: it might never come we've been waiting like when will mobile when will mobile disrupt were, these cloud apps what like, you were expecting
2: might never be what we
1: might never come yeah. but interestingly, revenue cat is already managing tens of millions of subscriptions for mobile applications and we wanted i wanted to learn what's going on in this mobile payments world it is different and we're all going to be in part of it and jacob's going to tell us what it's really like and this is actually your second at bat here managing mobile subscriptions isn't it from in-house now to building an yeah. application right?
2: Yeah. yes so, i mean classic stories cat was a, came out of a problem i was suffering in a Previous job, yeah.
1: Yeah, so you had to build Revenue Cat previously, and then you decided to turn it into an API,
2: right? Yeah, essentially. I mean, I've spent my whole career in making money on the App Store, and actually subscriptions are a relatively new thing for mobile. Like, prior to 2014, it was all these one-time transactions, and then Apple introduced subscriptions, Google shortly after, and it sort of really changed how people were making serious money on the App Store. And I was working at a company called Elevate, uh, and we were building all kinds of infrastructure to support sort of uh, Apple kind of half delivered their solution. Yep. And so we found that we were building all these like layers on top of it to really build like a, a marketing engine, all these things you want to know, especially in building a consumer business. And it was taking a ton of our time. And that, that was really the inspiration for Remedy Cat. Got it. And so where
1: and so you just said w- w- the day when a, a mobile first App displaced to Salesforce may still be twenty or thirty years down the road, but where give us especially on what you've learned on the B two B side. We all we're all watching, you know, Netflix, and we're doing Amazon. We're, we have all these subscri- mobile subscriptions today, but what are you seeing from your customers? Where where are cloud subscriptions going, and who's who's early here besides games and stuff like that? Yeah,
2: so we yeah we still don't have players like Salesforce as customers. Yeah, maybe twenty twenty. Yeah, yeah, maybe maybe another decade, but. You know, I think there's this this middle ground of the prosumer or high end personal productivity apps, things like Superhuman. Things that the, the, the way that the app store payments uh, processing is, is architected really sort of only makes it conducive for selling to the individual, which no. isn't the way that Salesforce works, right? Um, so I think the the apps there's there's things like Mile IQ. I think is a really good example. It's like a personal mileage tracking app that a lot of like. Uh, contractors use also along with contractors. Um, Invoice Simple is a really big tool, I would call that a business app. But yep. you, you'll notice that the theme on the B2B side is the B tends to be like one person proprietorships, right? It's, it's this B to small business. Yeah, small, small business. business. So we're not business ready one. yet for enterprise wide subscriptions to on mobile. To yeah, there's some, directly on mobile. We'll see where the pressure goes. I think there's some systemic issues with the way that the uh, billing is handled on, on mobile that makes it yep. challenging. And I mean, I, we talk to folks all the time that are in this SM, usually SMB, and they're like, oh, we need to sell on mobile or we need to make our product available on mobile. Sometimes, I guess, Apple just told them. So, Apple has these weird rules that they won't let you sell anything non-physical on the device directly to your customers. You have to go through their whole purchasing system. And that's sort of like the sort of weird technical aspect that allows for them to exist is we build on top of that.
1: Um, so, hold on. Slow us down because I almost know <laughs> what you mean. I mean, I do. Apple does not allow us to do what? So, I have an app.
2: Does whatever as Salesforce mobile, I I can't have a credit card form in there to take your credit card information directly.
1: You can't. Absolutely. Right. Unless I push, push you to my website. You can't do that either. Like if you own Netflix, You're right? I can't push you. I have to pre subscribe on my website, exactly. and then and then I can get all my Salesforce data. Exactly. This right?
2: it is weird, like market pressure that Apple's yes. have created. Um,
1: their, their argument and Google remind me Google doesn't care. Google does now, and they're actually
2: getting more strict about it
1: too. Right. So okay. they've seen how they much want, money they out want there their carry they're as well. Yeah, exactly. Okay.
2: And their, their argument is they bring you a lot of distribution, which is true. Like mobile apps. The app store makes your mobile app successful. It brings you tons and tons of users, and so Apple takes their cut for that, and, and that's
1: where. So we know that. So Apple and now Google require that. And how does? And you said that advantage is revenue cat. How does that? What does that mean that by revenue cats allowed or what does that? What does that mean? In so terms of the stack? I mean, we have
2: this sort of payment provider of one, where Apple is the only way you can sell digital goods on yes. their entire ecosystem, and then eh, they've kind of. Miss the mark. There's no alternative payment provider. There's no Stripe. There's no alternatives that you can use that are easier and better for your business and and, and give you advantages in the marketplace. Um, So RevenueCat, we come in and say, okay, we're going to cover up all of Apple's stuff. We're going to make it easier to use. And then on top of that, we're going to move up the stack and build all these tools for you around revenue, retention, around understanding your customer, CRM type stuff. All these things that if you were serious about building a subscriber base on mobile, you would do anyway. We get free out of the box.
1: Okay. So let's slow down and because sometimes I get a little out of date. If I want to build a mileage tracker app or a note-taking app or something that, that an individual might buy, right? But pay on a subscription. First of all, when in 2019, 2020, when should I think about paying the toll to Apple or Google or driving someone to my website, not paying the
2: toll and then just have them download the app? Well, how should I make that decision these days? It's all about go to market whoever, especially if you're pre-product market fit, you're not an established brand, absolutely yeah. use the app store. It's the easiest way. But isn't the app store so crowded? Can I really get leads if I'm the 50,000th uh,
1: productivity app on app store? I mean, it depends. If, you're,
2: if you have another product that you're selling via the web, like there's a whole web experience for your product, do that, right? Yes. Build the web experience, have it go that way. Maybe you then add a companion app, but you've built this go-to-market engine outside of the app store and, and you live on that. Then the app store just becomes like an add-on at that point if your strategy is to grow through the app store and have that be your primary means of, of leads, then I really, unless, until you reach the scale of Netflix, where you can really use your brand as a cudgel, you should just sell through the app store.
1: Got it. And then in what, and where do you see, is that going to change over the coming years? Where is the, where's the market change of the ecosystem change?
2: Yeah. I mean, it's, we've kind of been in this status quo for a long time. Um, Everybody's been like, Oh, 30% percent—that's way too much, but it, it's not going away that it hasn't gone away in a decade and, yes. and, and you know, we'll see what happens as far as make perhaps some sort of regulatory action and that you or here could break it apart. But as far as I can tell, it's here to stay <laughs> unfortunately because I do think it actually puts some, it puts some awkward market pressures on people making apps and stuff, but you know, Apple made the phone so you gotta pay the tax.
1: Okay. So then I'm going, I want to have, I want to have mobile payments. I want to collect them on iOS and Android. There's only two platforms now, right? I mean, everyone else lost. So why is it so hard to just collect recurring revenue payments on a subscription on Apple and Android? Why is this such, why is this a problem? And if I'm listening to this and I haven't developed a, a mobile app where I want to collect subscription fees, why is this harder than I think? Put the commercial aside. What do I not know as a founder it, or developer listening yeah, this to is, this? What's not obvious? This is
2: one of the hard conversations I had a lot with leads and prospects because if, if somebody's done this before, I don't yeah. have to pitch them.
1: Just, what are the top yeah. three headaches? What are the top three headaches developing a mobile product with subscriptions in it?
2: Okay, wow. it's um, a better way to ask. So it starts, it starts with the, the actual the, – getting the – customer experience right? the end user experience, right? With the way that the Apple APIs are designed, it's very confusing. It's it, 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 The subscriptions and the recurring relationship aspect of billing was very much bolted on. So so actually, at a developer level, it's just very awkward to, to work with. It's just bad. Okay. Um, so that's, that's level What's one.
1: developer pain number one, especially if I'm not a developer listening, that my developers are going to bitch and whine about if they try to develop directly on Apple for a recurring subscription?
2: I mean, for instance... Apple uses this really arcane encrypted receipt file technology that you have to be kind of that you have to navigate. That's really kind of confusing. And then there's, one of the things, just really simple thing, is like, they don't notify you when something renews, so like you have to be constantly pinging them just to keep. Like if you want a full picture of who's who's even. Just that your accounting makes sense. Exactly, you yes. need to build this whole infrastructure just to just to get that basic that basic data. We, we provide that out of the box, so that, okay. that's kind of one of the. So that's things. a headache with
1: Apple. What's a Google headache that we don't plan for?
2: Ah, it's the same headaches, are so just it's different headaches, headaches. <laughs> just like <laughs> slightly different flavor. Google Google systems a little a little more googly. It's a little more you know web first, but, but it still has a lot of the issues. And the problem is they all have different issues and people want to provide experiences across platforms. And so now you have this fun game of how do I take these two very different systems, which do roughly the same thing and make them unified in my backend. Right. Um, And that, that ends up just, it's not, it's not rocket science, but it it ends up taking up a lot of developer resources that you should be putting towards product. You should be putting towards like things that are differentiating for you.
1: Okay. And so uh, a niche question related to that, but so, Because a lot of folks, a lot of folks have apps, especially in the early days, the prospects will be thinking they could, they could build or buy. Mm -hmm. Um, they literally, they look at the problem like you did when you were at Elevate before. Can I just build this, this mess myself? just for other folks, when you're talking to prospects, now that you're managing many tens of millions of revenue, how do you, how do you win that discussion? How do you convince them? Do they try to build it themselves? Do they come back six months later? How do you, how do you, do you gently let them off board and
2: say, we're here? Do you, yeah, I, I, honestly, how do you do the build versus buy discussion? Yeah. I think right now, if we can't sort of, I mean, we're, we're still an early company. I still think I always feel like our products have done. So there's, there's a lot I think we need to build. So when somebody comes to me and says like, eh, I think we can do this. Like I don't really like stop them at the door, right? Because I because yes. because we have had that happen where people come back six months later and they're like, okay, yeah, you're right, this did suck, and I <laughs> can well, can we, can we talk? But you know, a lot of the times right now, people they'll they'll start to dig into the problem, they'll see kind of the the, the iceberg ahead, and they'll just be like, forget it, like I want to have somebody else do this for me, which is great. So I, I end up not having to make the hard sell too often. Got it. Um, so keep the relationship warm and have them come back later. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's also part of our, just our company strategy in general is like there's gonna be a lot of there's a lot of people that get value out of Revenue Cat without using us. Yep. There's people and, and and those maybe someday turn into leads. Otherwise they're they're part of our community, right? So we provide a lot of content. I do a lot of like deep dive technical blog posts on not the what Revenue Cat does and not just talking about our product, but I I go into these things like the, the receipt file and talk about from a technical perspective all those things and it's it's content that that people share and they find interesting and then maybe someday they they'll come do business with us. Going
1: back, one thing I wanted to get on on for, for founders that are thinking about mobile subscriptions for the first time, do you have, is there such a thing as heterogeneous environments? By that I mean, do you have customers or are they out there in the real world where they're taking subscriptions on the web? And they're also pushing people to their mobile app where they also take payments from the mobile. They're getting yeah. it from two sides. What are the learnings there? If I'm thinking about doing that, maybe I have like a, a VSB version, a small business version. I want to, I want to get the money right in app, but I also have a website for VSBs and bigger customers. How do I? think about learning and developing this sort of heterogeneous. Yeah. So we do,
2: we do, our product does have support for Stripe subscriptions as well. If you're doing Stripe on the web, you can marry it all together, but it's the same problem with marrying the Google and the Apple, right? Adding web is just another thing and you all want that unified in your system. Right. So that just brings technical challenges. Um, But then there's of course, like, how do I think about what I do? Like, do I send users? Do I redirect users to the the app or do I have to buy online? I think you just, my philosophy for this is just let people buy whatever is easiest for them.
1: Well, that's the question, right? So, do you know what that? Like, I, I know a lot of it uh, trends more B to C, but what percent of Apple is subscription now? Right? It was like zero percent four years ago. Do, oh, do, of, the, do, of, their,
2: of their whole. I don't have the numbers, top on my head, but
1: even they say services revenue, yes. that includes all of. But I think it's double digits. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. So we're all moving, we're all probably going to unless we're doing high-end enterprise, we're all probably going to move to somewhat heterogeneous environments where if we have mobile apps so we can collect payments, then we want to.
2: Yeah. I mean, especially right. if you're targeting this mid-market, like small business stuff. I yes. I think I think the possibility is very high that you're gonna to want to be able to sell on all those channels. Yes. And then the complexity is do I pay the taxes?
1: Yeah. And then one, one question I've wondered about, it may be a niche question, but I have, uh, I had forgotten until recently just how bad most Android products and developers are. I had, um. I recently had an experience with a ride-sharing app that we'll rename Nameless. And I just could, I love this company. I just could not get the Android app to work. And I wrote a Medium post and I complained and the VP of Engineering reached out to me. And she said, thank you so much for the feedback. I have one Android developer. I mean, this is a company that's raised hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. And my guess is they have 60 iOS developers and they have one. It's a fun topic topic in general, but when you're, when you have a product that works works on both. Do I get a benefit? Can I make my Android product better when all my cool developers only want to work on iOS? And what, what have you learned on making Android products
2: better? I, I think we do this false equivocation with iOS and Android a lot yeah. when it turns out the majority of revenue is still generated by iOS. And- revenue. But yeah. not necessarily users, right? No, from a user perspective, it tends to be more equal. And if you're building a ride-sharing app or something like that, you absolutely have to have access to both. I mean, this is a deeper engineering question about how do you build... Because because I, I don't know. Dropbox recently publish how they were sort of rethinking their strategy. They on did.
1: The Snap said they lost, they, they lost, missed two quarters because their Android team was terrible. Right. Yeah. So what I'm wondering, what you've learned having this platform is can we leverage products like revenue cat and others that are cross so that my Android team will be better. Like, should I leverage more intermediate functions that abstract away from having to write all this crappy Android code? Because I only have one remote developer working on Android.
2: Yeah, so I I think so. I think there's also, we're seeing sort of the second generation of cross-platform tools. And Flutter is Google's thing that they've been releasing. And we have customers and we set up an SDK for that as well. And React Native has still got a lot of steam and is picking up. I think those options are good. Depending on your use case, I think sometimes you run into limitation. Like anytime you're like trying to like merge two platforms together and work on it as if it were one, you're going to end up with sort of like the the min functionality of both. But it's going to depend. It's going to depend on your team. It's going to depend. I, 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 in Elevate, we were doing cross platform. Uh, we tried to like do code sharing and stuff like that. And I'm not convinced that at the end of the day, it would have been easier just to try and hire two teams or, or just to not do Android. <laughs> but I'm sure right. all the Android listeners out there. Yeah. That's what I, I uh, <laughs> especially for a lot of B2B companies, they just remember the Android apps just terrible, right? I'm, I'm happy to, I'm happy to build great SDKs for both. Let's put it that way. It's yeah. <laughs> my diplomatic answer.
1: One more niche question, but I think is of interest to founders because we were talking about this before the podcast is Uh, this, this is more for strategic questions or investors or others, but how do you handle, what have you learned in objections about TAM and market size, right? So you're in, you're playing in a, a huge market, which is payments, payments for, for products, which, I mean, Stripe's the highest valued private company today, right? But you're doing this mobile piece that sounds niche. It sounds like a little piece of a market. How do you get folks? What is the big picture for revenue cap? But how do you get folks excited to see a bigger TAM than it exists in say 2018 yeah. looking to 2025?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. I, I, if I knew the exact answer, I'd probably be a better pitchman. But like, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I think if you look at the total size of subscriptions on mobile, I still think we're early. Um, I still think there's a lot of apps that haven't even been built yet that we that are going to provide value to the masses that in 10 years, like like now we look at um, meditation apps are fairly common. A lot of these lifestyle, a lot of people have billion dollar businesses. Yeah. And, and yes. 10 years ago, that would have been what? What is that? Two right? years ago. Two, yes. Yeah. Not even like two years ago. Yeah. So I still think there's going to be a lot of these niches develop and, and we're going to see this market grow a lot bigger than it is right now. As far as, you know, oh, oh, this TAM today, you pull up the, whatever, the PDF white paper that somebody wrote about the size of the market and you go, oh, it's too small. It's like, well, I don't know. So the, the air mattress market was pretty small too. And then it's like an Airbnb, right? <laughs> they were actually going after the hotel market. like, the, And it's the same, like for us, and you could think you know, Stripes market's actually huge. And so actually maybe we're playing in that market. I think it's really hard to draw these like absolute lines to say like, you know, a market is a market is not something that's discrete, right? It's pieces they they sort of seamlessly move into different verticals, and so yeah, that's a really hand wavy answer. <laughs> that's all right.
1: One sort of lesson for other founders. Then I want to do just a couple last questions for end of time on mobile description in general. But one niche question: Revenue Cat got off the ground, in its initial success from content marketing, broadly speaking, right? Yeah. Literally from the CEO I'm sitting sitting across from writing a handful a handful of blog posts. Um, about how to solve a painful problem on managing mobile subscriptions, right? So as someone who isn't a mark, isn't, certainly isn't, isn't a trained marketer. It's trained engineer and. Uh, what's your secret hack to content marketing? What did you learn and what performed uh, other than trying, but what are the lessons learned? Yeah. I mean,
2: I think obviously just doing it, like I had to make it a part of my schedule for, so we, when we released the beta, we had no users. I had nothing to do. Like if you have no yes. users, you have nothing to do. So I was like, well, I will write blog posts and I had spent two or three days a week writing content for about two months and ended up, yeah, being a really high leverage. Use of my time.
1: But what, And what was the top piece of content that performed?
2: It, it was a lot of stuff that SEO'd for the problems that but we was the problem, solved. Right, I mean, like I was like one. I, I what's a one that's done really well is um, Apple subscription notifications are almost useless.
1: Almost useless, right? So I'm I'm a developer. I type in a problem, right? And I, I made
2: very sure, like in there, I, I talked about. The, what they what, what the problem that apple's api was trying to solve where it came short i did i also did like guides like so this is what this keyword means and then have like a better like almost better versions of apple's documentation but with like kind of a gloggy sort of like uh entertaining read to it um i did that for the way that introductory prices work on mobile on, on ios i did that for the way that their new offers work and that stuff works really well because it it ends up ranking right below like Apple's, this is very like technical, but it ends up ranking right below Apple's documentation. Yes. So it's like, I'm having a hard time and what is this revenue cap thing? I'm gonna click on this,
1: right? But you generated a huge percent of your early customers writing a handful of pieces about how to truly solve some problems, right? Writing it from experience with some passion and a lot of documentation that was better than it was out there. And even without a brand boost, people found this through Google. They found it on the first page of Google. So it still works these days, right? Yeah, especially if,
2: you know, I think the challenge with content marketing is you really got to say something. And you got to say something that is interesting. I, I think... Doing like cookie cutter content marketing that's yes. just using your brand in place for whatever other brand is, is pointless. It's just going into this. So you have to write something that we always, we, we, we think of content in two ways. We think content that's going to SEO well and we think of content that's going to share well. Um, and I think there's different types of content that do. But you, you want to think like, why is somebody going to find this? What's going to lead them to click on this? And then, you know, build backwards from there as to like what you're going to write. Um, yeah. Obviously, you still want to say something, but you need you should be thinking about how this content is going to travel. Otherwise, it's pointless to be doing it, right? All right. Last
1: question before we run out of time. But what are some what are what do you see from from your customer base and what you're doing? What are some future trends or things that are happening in mobile subscriptions that maybe people don't see that aren't doing this every day. Maybe people sit in front of an iMac um, or in a comfortable desktop environment. What's changing? Um, Because this whole space is going through incredible change today, right? Some of it's being driven by video. Some of it's being driven by technology. But this whole, I feel like in five years the way we subscribe to products will be radically different and we'll be subscribing to so many more than mobile than we're doing today. But what what are some things that people don't see that you see from the front lines that founders should know?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think the the age of personal SaaS is here. I, you know, I think people they've gotten used to it for their Netflixes and for their content, maybe for for a workout app. But I think the like superhuman is a good example. People are going to start having their own personal SaaS products that they carry around with them that aren't tied to their employer, right? And that's going to go beyond personal productivity. That it's going to go into hobbies and photography and like all of these things. That, you know, software, I, don't, I I still think we're in the early days for software solving a lot of problems for people. And with mobile subscriptions and the normalization of people having subscriptions to software, it's going to empower a lot of app creators to actually build this. They actually have a profitable way to build something like this. Um, and it, those probably aren't all venture scale businesses, but that's okay, right? Like we're going to build this giant passion economy of app makers that's going to just make a lot of software. It's going to change lives for people. It's really exciting. Yes. Yeah, no, I mean, you could make
1: exponentially more money off a mobile subscription than a one-time purchase oh yeah the one-time purchase model it's just sad
2: it's (laughs) It's so much work if if you're able to get the top of the app store like pull some rabbit out of a hat yeah maybe you can earn back but uh there's really it's really hard to build a long-term sustainable business that way yeah yeah
1: all right then last last one to tie that so that that's sort of more of that in the future and we hit this just a little bit with the ios android discussion but what's the one last hard part of mobile payments mobile subscriptions that people don't get what what should just founders remember to budget extra time be more patient be less frustrated yeah if they want to go out and do mobile subscriptions what's a what's a headache that they're not planning for keep
2: it simple that that's what i'm going to say is keep it simple i think the way that the like what what's a mistake that that founders will want to oh i want uh to have an intro price that goes for three months and then uh, after that it's annual and when somebody gets referred i want to give them a free month or something like still too hard to do a mobile yeah yeah we just like a lot of control on mobile. And so like you have to write the rules yourself. Yeah, I mean I, even if it's possible and, and it's really difficult to test. So with the way that the tools are today, I would say just keep it simple. One price? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You have you have your monthly price and your annual price. Do a free trial. Ed- additions or additions too hard? Uh like having like upgrade Four tiers yeah. and stuff like yeah. Pro, super pro, I, extra pro. I don't pro. think on mobile I don't think people got the time Even today so, there's no the chance to, dance, to right? I've I've seen a few places pull it off, but like honestly just getting people to pay, you're, you're going to be happy. One some. price,
1: one thing. Yeah, I one discount, so. one code. Honestly, thing.
2: like if you were going to just if you want to launch with one simple price strategy, one month free trial converts to an annual. That's, do that. That's the, that's, that's, the, that's, the, that's the simple. I've trick looked at a do. lot of different. I've looked at a lot of different pricing strategies, and that one seems to work pretty well for a lot of people. So yeah, it doesn't to the ages. Yeah, I think it takes a while to. Maybe you don't feel like your product's good enough for that, but but I will say that one does work
1: really well, so. That's a good insight. All right, so that, that's actually an interesting one. It works, in the, it works on the desktop, the one month free trial. People know it, and that's the, that's the number one hack from the revenue cat data. All right, Jacob, thanks for the time. Anything, anything we missed, you wanted to jump in on the world of mobile subscriptions? Uh, I think we covered it. All right, man, thanks for all the time, and thanks everybody for listening.
0: Owl Labs introduces the next wave of collaborative tech with award-winning connected devices and services powered by AI and predictive technology. Winner of a CES Best in Innovation Award, the Meeting Owl Pro is a 360-degree conferencing camera that's changing the way teams connect, no matter their location. Visit owllabs.com to learn more and visit us at Saster Annual in March.